And the pitch, ground ball right side, diving stop Solano, to his feet, feeds to Rand, steps on the bat, and the Twins win the game! The Minnesota Twins beat the Blue Jays 3-1! Twins win! Twins win! The Minnesota Twins win a playoff game! Hi, this is Emily Nyman, and you're listening to Breaking Balls. Welcome to episode 131 of Breaking Balls. I'm your host, Emily Nyman. I'm joined by my co-host, John Snyder. You can find us on Twitter, at BreakBallsPod. Or if you're feeling brassy, give the Breaking Balls hotline a call, 631-820-7377. We finally made it to the end of the season. Playoffs are here. Yankees and Mets aren't in it, but that's no surprise to anyone, except for a very hopeful and optimistic Emily from a few weeks ago. I was going to say, yeah, you last week are surprised, (laughs) but... You finally accepted it now that it's a reality? Yeah, now that it's a reality, I have, I've had no choice but to accept it. And whatever. They were so bad for so long this season that, like, I thought that this season was worse than 2021. But honestly, now that I am, like, looking back on both of them, this was, like, way better in terms of having either no postseason appearance or just, like, a one-game playoff like the Yankees had in that season because they were still kind of in it, and then it ended. It was just like, ugh, oh, God. this year, it's like, whatever. Yeah, first off, fuck one-game playoffs. I don't <laughs> miss those at all after 2016 with the Giants. Oh, my God. Um, but listen, I think the Yankees love to celebrate their history, so we can really hang – well, not we. You can really hang your hat on – the 1992 streak of seasons over 500 is intact, so we can say that this season was an unqualified success for it the was. Yankees. It was. Hang the banner up. I'm going to go to the ceremony next season right. when they have to hand out the rings. Uh, you know, Cashman will be hanging out the rings because he's returning, apparently. <laughs> but Nothing's then changing. It, then he's taking it back like when he visited the suite. He's like, okay, actually, we need, we need these rings back. This was for show. I saw people being like, you know, I don't care about it. And, like, I get it. Neither do I, in theory, like, I don't care. I wasn't celebrating like, yeah, woohoo. Like they finished above 500, but I definitely care that they fucking play 500 baseball and in their worst season, basically in my memory, since like the other years that they didn't make the postseason, it was kind of expected where this year they were expected to win like, you know, 98 games. So like, I do care that even in the worst season, they were still playing 500 baseball. I mean, above 500, you guys finished 82 and 80. That's, I would have... <laughs> That would be an improvement for the Mets. And in a season like this, what else was I supposed to fucking cling to? You know what I mean? At least I had that. Nothing. That's it. Yeah. When they were really like fucking eight games below 500 or something at one point, I was like, oh, God, this season is spiraling out of control. Well, you know, the Yankees are serious about fixing it because they're doing an organizational audit, which I'm sure we'll find that everything is fine, that Aaron Boone's the best manager in baseball. Cashman's the best GM. And uh, they should not change anything next year, and it'll all work magically. Well, I have good news for you. Today, there was a headline that they're not doing that internal audit. So <laughs> I don't know what the fuck is going on. I didn't bother reading the article because whatever. Like, oh, God. What could that have internal audit have possibly been anyway? They're going to get a third-party company to come and do yeah, what? what? What third-party is qualified to even do that, first of all? I have... It's... <laughs> Whoever is qualified to do that, why not just hire them then to do the analytics or whatever? Right, like, yeah. if they are so good that they can come in and tell you what you're doing wrong or right. That's I mean, a very good point. Yeah, why are they not working in baseball? <laughs> so, do I think that means that they're going to run it back? I don't know. That's for a future episode, Emily, to worry about. Now we're in the playoffs. 
We had the first few games of the wild card today. Rays lost. Blue Jays lost. Well, did was that a loss or was it a Twins win? The Twins were finally able to win a postseason game since they didn't That's have true. to play the Yankees for once. They might win the fucking whole thing this year. They might, that was the one thing standing in their way was you guys. And, you know, I forgot for like half a second because the game was in, it was in mid-play when I came home from work. And I saw the end. Twins fans were obviously elated. They haven't won a postseason game in Minnesota since 2002. Yeah, wow. Their last win was in 2004. So it's been a very long time coming. And I forgot about that for like a moment. Mm -hmm. And when the crowd reacted the way that they did, and not that they shouldn't, it's the postseason. So any every win counts. But it was like as if it was a one-game playoff reaction. And for a second, I was like, wait, this is still best of three. And then I was like, holy shit, this fucking team hasn't won a game. Yeah, it's... That. E- even if they lose the next two, this is still a victory for them. Getting that monkey off their back? Yeah, I mean, come on. That is an insane thing. And especially like to be one of the players on that team, because obviously their perspective is different as players, but and it's not their streak. Some of these guys right. were probably fucking born when they last won their World Series or their postseason game. But like that still is a lot of pressure. Right. And I mean, to, to look at the other series, you we talked last week, last week, two weeks ago now about how when your team sucks, you got to find little things to hang on to and enjoy the little things. You as a Rays hater had to have enjoyed Glasnow having a good start and the Rays doing fuck all with it. And yes, it was great. The Texas Rangers, who, despite their best efforts, managed to get into the playoffs, <laughs> actually taking a game. What a fucking horrible <laughs> run for the Rangers. Like, good for them for making it in, you know, and whatever. They lost the fucking division to the Astros, even though that was, like, the most predictable thing. I feel like that was going to happen. The Rangers might have, I'm trying to think, amongst all the playoff teams, like, just based on their injuries, the funniest, if they won everything with an injured DeGrom and an injured Scherzer. Like, can you imagine? And it would also be the funniest thing ever because, like, the Astros and Astros fans totally like get off on their supremacy oh, in that yeah. division. So for the Rangers <laughs> to now suddenly win one, like it would just be fucking, it uh, would be amazing. Poetry. Amazing. It is kind of funny. I saw Rangers fans like post a picture of Scherzer and DeGrom, like in the locker room during their celebration being like Mets fans must be dying over this. Like what? DeGrom hasn't pitched since April. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Mets fans are so jealous right now. (laughs) Neither of those guys are fucking pitching this postseason. And on the National League side of things, uh, as of right now, we got the D-backs are up on the Brewers, 4-3, to top five. But there's Northeast baseball being played, and it's much more exciting. So we're right now watching the Marlins and the Phillies, which this isn't super important, but we all know and dislike Marlins, man, right? (laughs) Marlins, the Marlins are finally in the playoffs, and Marlins man is at the D-backs Brewers game. So now we know he's he's just wearing that jacket Casual. for show. Casual, clearly. Yeah, like there is no way because listen, they have bright colors in their repertoire yeah. now, so. It's not even on some like, oh, well, he just wants to wear the bright Marlins jacket. Like, he could have gotten an updated one. Now, plus this, this guy's a fucking fraud. Yeah, it's, it's all about being seen. Can you imagine, like, you are someone who is, like, desperate to be seen, so you're like, you know what? Let me dress up in Marlins gear. Right. Of all teams. What a fucking loser. <laughs> it is really funny. This guy's done nothing but just sit behind home plate, and it is just incensed baseball fans 
across the country. Yeah, yeah. He's. <laughs> I don't know what the guy sounds like. I've never heard him say anything. I don't know his opinion on anything, but I hate him. <laughs> and I guess someone who he's at the game with is wearing a fucking bright yellow M&M jacket. Like, dude, stop collecting these people. Like, it's just like some fucking weird group on Facebook. They just slowly build into like a Skittles advertisement. They got all the <laughs> rainbow colors. I will say, and obviously, I don't give a shit who wins. There are teams that I certainly don't want to see win. Yes, agreed. But there two are no of, two te- of them come to mind. Go yes, <laughs> yes, we'll get into that later. But there are plenty of teams that like, eh, whatever. If they win, I don't care. I will say that I said to John right before we started to record, I'm at least glad that like if the Yankees and the Mets and you know the Red Sox aren't in it. And this isn't to say that other fan bases aren't good fans or they don't love their team, whatever. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm really happy the Phillies are in it. If for no other reason than there's no crowd in the country that sounds like fucking the Northeast baseball crowd of teams that have had like of cities that have had teams in their city for fucking a century. You know what I mean? It's just not the same. Anywhere no, else. And yeah. You're as much as I hate the Phillies. Yes. That, that is a completely valid point. Um, it, it's just different and it, it's a Northeast thing. It's not even an East coast thing. Cause when they, did you see down in the trap? It wasn't even oh. full. 19,000 fans, 19,000 fans for a playoff game. I mean, and they're going to build that stadium in St. Petersburg. How can they justify that? How can they justify that after this? I saw people being like, well, it was a 3 p.m. game. Oh, yeah, because there's never been a 3 p.m. game or any other day game in the postseason. Please. Like there was a fucking <laughs> 1 p.m. game or whatever time that started in Minnesota in Minnesota. And they still fucking managed yeah, to fill the place. They packed it out. Yeah. And I'm not even saying this is like a this isn't even an insult to Rays fans. There's clear issues as to why the Rays are unable to sell out or even come close to selling out their stadium because of location. How can they justify that fucking new stadium after this? How? (laughs) Probably the fact that contracts are already signed and money is already promised and, you know. Well, and also... You think we care about attendance. (laughs) That's true. And also, like, I guess there is another explanation for it. Like, 50% 50% of the fans in Tampa are Yankee fans. And that sounds like a crazy yeah, they, estimation. It's all retired New Yorkers. <laughs> and because the Yankees have played spring training in Tampa for oh, fucking that too. That's right. 50 years. That's right. So there was a May. I was looking at the attendance of uh, some Yankees Rays series in Tampa this year. There was a Sunday game in May. There was 32,000 people there. So mm. like if the Yankees play the Rays in Tampa... They literally almost double their attendance. That's their best crowds for sure. Right, and it's because you have a lot of fucking Yankee fans there, which don't even get me started on MLB's bright idea to have a team, an expansion team in Tampa, and then play in the same division as the Yankees, who already have a fucking presence in that city. Like it did. Yeah, it was not thought out. Yeah. Did they think people were just going to switch over to be Rays fans? Adorably naive. (laughs) (laughs) And even though I don't have much to say, admittedly, about the Brewers and the D-backs series because everyone knows how I feel about the central divisions but I will fucking say it it is awful seeing Josh Donaldson in a lineup in the postseason like (laughs) I know that Aaron Hicks is on the Orioles and now admittedly since Cedric Mullins is not on the IL he's not a starter Mm. but even seeing Hicks with the Orioles is not even doesn't do anything for me but seeing Donaldson specifically score on a fucking home run just hit. Just a visceral reaction to that. <laughs> it is just like, it, I thought I was going to be okay going to the postseason. Seeing that, like, just incense. I was so fucking annoyed. <laughs> How does he get a fucking shot? I, 
the I mean, and it happens more to the Mets than the Yankees, I feel like, but just the second life that players get after leaving New York sometimes is just infuriating. It's just... Ugh. And even if that ends up being his only fucking hit this postseason, because he did get four hits for the Yankees last year. Mm. Uh, one of them famously was he thought one of his infamous fly balls that hit off the top of the wall that he thought was gone and pimped it, and then right. he was thrown out at second base. Uh, that is his legacy in New York as far as I'm concerned. So he may even have a few more hits, but even just one. Like It would have been better if he just went over for the fucking Brewers yeah. the entire time. But how does a fucking... And I, you know what? I was going to say how much I like the expanded playoffs, and I do. It makes things exciting. The division races were exciting. The wild card was exciting. The wild card race. But there is something to be said that a fucking playoff team giving a flyer to Josh Donaldson, who's been horrible, that shouldn't happen. He was so bad, and this team needed him, and now he's a starter. Like, I don't know what the answer is there. This is just me being very bitter, everybody. But fuck him. No, you're right, but to to change the subject slightly for, the sake, of, to, for the sake of your blood I'm pressure. I'm spiraling out. Yeah, it's fine. Um, to touch on something you said, that that is something worth noting and celebrating. The expanded playoffs resounding success especially you look in the national league the phillies had that top wild card spot wrapped up like two weeks ago it would have been a trudge to the end but instead it was interesting the whole time the al west having those extra two spots kept it interesting up until the last couple of games so that was great and i think we can also kind of say the rule changes overall we can kind of make definitive statement at this point with just resounding success oh yeah on every sure. level Game times are down. Attendance is up. It was like 9%, 10% across the league, which is one of the biggest single-year boosts ever. It just, they worked on every possible level. It could not have really been more of a success. They could not have asked for more than this. No, you're absolutely right. The average game time ended up being two hours and 39 minutes. Last year in 2022, the average game time was three hours and three minutes. And it hadn't dipped below three hours since like 2015. Right. So... We don't always like to hand it to MLB. In fact, we usually in hate fact, it. In fact, we actively avoid it. But, <laughs> but they fucking... <laughs> they got this one yeah, right. Yeah, they nailed it. They and did. the other day I was watching a clip of... Because, uh, you know, Miguel Cabrera retired. Has his last game this past week. Uh, a lot of pomp and circumstance. Great career. Really deserved it, obviously. So people were showing clips on the internet from his points in his career. And in the 2003 World Series, Marlins versus Yankees... That was his rookie year, I believe, and he was facing off against Roger Clemens. Mm -hmm. And it was a really famous at-bat because Roger Clemens threw him up and in, and then he ended up coming back and hitting an oppo home run, which is super impressive. It was like a five or six pitch at-bat. The clip was like almost five or six minutes long. And I got to say, I do not miss that at all. Well, it just reinforces like, what did we lose with that time being shaved? Straight up downtime. Literally Just nothing. Yeah. I, I remember, and I was even part of these debates, when they first implemented the clock in the beginning of the year, people were wondering if they were going to not have the clock for the postseason, kind of like they do with the Ghost oh, Runner. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, they ultimately didn't do that. They had the pitch clock and everything for the postseason, as they should. But I even kind of entertained that. Like, oh, you know, it's, it's part of the drama, blah, blah, blah. No, it is not. Watching that clip, it did not add to the drama at all. It just made it feel it, like, let's go. Yeah, no, just because it's longer and drawn out does not automatically equate to more drama. Um, Especially because now we know the pitch clock doesn't feel like it's being sped up. You know what I mean? It's not like there's one, two, roll one right after the other. No, I think you'd agree with me that by the end of the season, I I didn't even notice the, the new rules. Yeah. Cool. 
for one thing, like we talked about last time, because they're not new anymore is part That's of it. Right. It's really not being phrased correctly. But to hop on to what you were saying, though, you're right. Yeah, so Cabrera's done. He's not the only big name that just finished up uh, his career. We got a lot of potential Hall of Famers uh, between Cabrera, Grinky's done, Wainwright, who another one that I don't like, but credit where credit's due. This dude, his last start went seven scoreless, and it got revealed that he was pitching the last like month of the season with a torn labrum. That's crazy. So, I mean, you know, you talk about, again, credit where credit's due. Talk about leaving it all out on the field for the end of your career. Dude did it. And speaking of leaving it all out on yeah, the yeah, field. You know who didn't leave it all out on the field? <laughs> Joe Levato. If he's done, he might not be done. That's be true. Fair. Turns out he has a, an option. A, it's a club option. And the Reds haven't said whether or not they're going to bring him back. But I feel like they have to now. He got at fucking At least tossed. for opening day, just to give him a few at-bats before he retires. Let him go out there, wave his little hat like that. He was thrown out of the game for arguing... Uh, he was right, first of all. It was an egregious strike call, but Well, he was right, but he was wrong. You know? Like that's he was true. He was right in that the umpire fucked up, but and Joey even said this on Twitter. Um, he's like, Yeah, I was tripping from the dugout. You can't do that. I'm sorry to anybody who came to see me play, but you know. I fucking love him. He's great. He's uh I'm gonna miss more than anything his personality in the game. You I know, hope that just, he gets in the booth. He should, man. He's he so really good should. on the mic. Yeah, I hope so. I gotta think he does. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Granky. I, and you know what? I was thinking because I didn't realize that this was his last season until basically this last series. The Yankees played the Royals and he pitched the last Tail game. Tail end of Grinky's career, he became a little more low key. You know what I mean? And he's been that guy like who has dealt with anxiety and depression and been pretty open about that for a while now. Yes. So at first I kind of felt bad, like, hey, why is Miguel Cabrera like and Wainwright? They're getting all this fanfare. And no one has said anything about Granky. And it's like, well, he wouldn't want that. So it's a good thing. Yeah, you know what I mean? It seems like that's not his style. You know? And kudos to the Yankees because they gave him like the Granky version of a farewell tour. He was one in fifteen going into the series, the last start of the year is game one sixty two. And the fucking Yankees suck. So I, he got that W. They got to leave on a high note. And that's like the highlight of the Yankee season, doing well, that for Granky. And sometimes there's something to be said for doing nothing as opposed to, oh, I don't know, giving a recovering alcoholic a giant bottle of wine to celebrate his retirement. <laughs> Here's oh looking at you, God. Oakland A's. Just, just the A's, man. They can't help themselves just be a joke of a franchise at every turn. And people were like... Miggy like is a wine collector, and that may very well be true. But mm. the optics are just pretty it's, it's bad. It's just bad. Yeah. Like, give that to him in the clubhouse. Like, you're gonna do it <laughs> when we all know. Like, none of us know him personally, so just seeing that, and it was the mag bottle too. Just yeah. yeah. <laughs> like the bottle you'd get in the club. Signed by the worst A's team of all yeah. time. <laughs> I fucking forgot about that. That's hilarious. I am really glad though that fucking Cabrera. He had like a farewell tour, but it wasn't. It was. It, it wasn't like it, it was tour. understated. It was yeah. like appropriate for Miguel Cabrera. I yes, yeah. and maybe it's because we're not in that market, and we were in Jeter's market. But Jeter's tour seemed fucking over the top. It was like a world Jeter's, tour. Like he was a Jeter's pop star. tour was insufferable, especially <laughs> yes. for a non-Yankees fan. It was oh my god, get <laughs> enough. Well, so speaking of guys who are on their way out, uh, the big news out of Flushing is Buck Showalter will not be back as Mets manager next year. And if you pay attention to New York mainstream media, this was the most bizarre, shocking development to come <laughs> out of City Field 
since Steve Cohen bought the team, but it's, spoiler alert, it's not. Anybody who paid a little bit of attention saw this coming. We knew that David Stearns was about to be installed as the president of baseball operations. He's going to want to do his own thing. We're in the age of clickbait. What can you say? You know, so I, I get why they're doing it, but it's it's just disingenuous. Um, Especially because they acted like he's been the manager for 15 years. And it's like a shocking. It was, right, they got yeah. rid of him. Like he was brought in here to help the culture and he did that and he did exactly that you look at last year 101 wins just like he instilled this sense of professionalism in the clubhouse that wasn't there from the will upon years so yeah his tenure was short it was only two years but it was impactful make no mistake about it the only kind of weird thing about the uh the timing was that they did it before the last game of the season but then i kind of played devil's advocate on that and it's like well he got a chance to say goodbye to everybody. He got a couple right. standing ovations from the crowd at the game. It was a home game. You know, and th- there did seem to be in the press conference a little bit of confusion as to the timeline. Like, Buck kind of kind of implied that he was given the option to either resign or be fired. But it could be one of those things where, you know, it just it came up and, you know, Steve Cohen's in a position where, like, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, you know, this is what's happening. And... You know, so maybe it came out in a slightly awkward way, but again, everybody's trying to LOL Mets this, and it's just, it's just not. And like I said, if you were paying attention, you saw that the writing was on the wall for Showalter at this point. And maybe it's because of like how we're used to seeing managers fired, so people thought that this was like totally crazy and unexpected and and bizarre, whatever adjectives they all use to describe right. it. But in my opinion, it showed the Mets having some respect for Showalter, like hundred percent. They're just going to play that game. We all know the season's over. There's nothing on the line for the Mets in game 162. So Cohen is just going to let Showalter manage that game and then fucking... Like a dead duck. Right, and then fire him and then just announce it to the media that he was fired as opposed to telling him so then he could go to that press conference and he showed some emotion and he can fucking deliver the news himself so that way it doesn't seem like it's some sort of disciplinary fire. You know what I mean? Right, yeah, and listen, not for nothing, like, yeah, the the press conference was a little emotional, and it seemed like there was a little bit of confusion on some level. It was real, but can we please have some perspective and remember that this is the same team that fired Willie Randolph in the middle of a West Coast road trip after a win at, like, three in the morning, (laughs) and we're complaining about how Buck Showalter got let go? This is progress, man. This is this is a good thing. People are like offended. The media is trying to make something like they showed this man so much respect. How right. dare they? <laughs> so, you know, like we said, this is all tied into David Stearns has now officially been introduced as the Mets first ever president of baseball operations. So changes are coming. He said all the right things during his presser. You know, we talked about he's a hometown kid. He you know, talked about how he's been there with Mets fans riding the, how did he put it, the uh, the roller coaster of disappointment and hope, which is a <laughs> very accurate and poetic way to put that. That's really funny. Um, <laughs> and, you know, just kind of said that there's, there's no opportunity in baseball that's more meaningful to him than to be, to oversee his hometown team, the one that he grew up uh, loving, so... Gotta love hearing that, I mean, right? We got, a, we got an owner who's a diehard. We got a president of the baseball operations who's a diehard. What else could I ask for at this point? You know what I mean? Let's let, let's see what they do with it. Um, the only real kind of strategic thing that we got out of that is, uh, you know, in these pressers, they're never really going to announce moves. Like, you know, it's right. all going to be vagaries and stuff. He did specifically talk about Pete Alonzo. And he did say that he expects Pete Alonzo to be the starting first baseman on opening day. So that's kind of a little signal to... Both Pete and other teams in the league, you know, we're not trading Pete. You know, Pete's staying here. 
Um, and I believe this is this would be Pete's last year before free agency. I think so. So we'll see if that means that there's an extension in the cards, what that means. But it does look like Pete's not going anywhere. Um, just a little uh, weirdness to wrap up the Mets season. So we got anybody who is not uh, based out of the Northeast. We got so slammed with rain last week. It, it was, was crazy. Absolutely insane. My I'm driving through puddles on the way home. My girlfriend's car got fucked up in the in the water. Like it, it was torrential. It was here. flooding. Record like setting rain. And Marlins fans, who not for nothing, let's pull back a second. You're from Florida, and you're like you don't know what rain can be like. They're like get a roof. Yeah, like yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry that a uh, a late May day in New York is beautiful and it's brutal in Florida. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, so we were so inundated with rain. They were showing that like even with the tarp on the field all day, they were literally, they took it off and it was still soaked. They were blowtorching the batter's box trying to dry it. Like they did everything they could. They had to delay uh, the Marlins game. They had to suspend rather the Marlins game. The funny thing about this is the Marlins bitch, 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 bitch. And as it turned out, they didn't need the game anyway. And the way that the rules worked is that because it was suspended in the ninth, they go back to the last score before the other team scored so the Mets wound up getting the win anyway Miami did fuck you guys after all of that yeah lol Mets win and also like I know that a lot of people may not even have experience with this but people need to understand there's a lot that tarp that's over the infield is huge it is literally covering the entire infield dirt so this the tarp is tremendous and it's covered in water that water gets dumped into the outfield like the idea that why did they have to postpone the game on a sunny day? It's like right. because the fucking outfield was filled with hundreds of gallons of water from the rain itself, and then that was dumped onto it when they removed the tarp. Where do they? Where do people think the water goes? Right, and, and you know, talking about how big the tarp is, one thing that was really cool. It it always sucks when they have to uh, lay a football field on top of a baseball field. Like it right. just looks bad. But there was one where uh, they were playing baseball and they still had like the football yard lines. And the throw from third to first, it was like 35, 40 yards. Just perspective of like how fucking far that is. It's, it's fucking ginormous. huge. Half and a football field. Like, I, I feel like people think that they like kind of just crease the tarp and like dump it down a drain. That's not what right. happens. So <laughs> when you have historic rain, it takes even a sunny day to dry out that field. And I saw Mike Puma from the New York Post. So you know that whatever I'm about to say oh, is yeah, going to be yeah. very top-notch journalism. But he... <laughs> He was like, uh, there was a, a soccer game played at City Field in the days leading up to the Marlins series, and that played a role in the inability to play the game or for the drainage to not work correctly or whatever. The soccer game he was talking about was played like nine days prior. <laughs> because, of course, it was. And the soccer game, it tore up the outfield so much. That's why. They had the issues with drainage, not the fucking like 15 inches of rain the tri-state area got in a week. I don't know, Ron. That sounds kind of crazy. I don't know, Ron. That sounds kind of crazy. <laughs> it's just just some boy math for you from Mike Puma. <laughs> but just to wrap it up, bring it back to the uh, show, Walter. Firing, resignation, whatever it winds up being. Um, it's not goodbye. It's see you later. It's not goodbye. It's see you later. <laughs> You know, and I mean, a lot of people are conflating the players' feelings with whether or not it was a good move, which my personal opinion, for what it's worth, 
I'm okay with it. I liked having Showalter here. Like we talked about, the changes that he made were mostly behind the scenes, and he did do that. But if you're telling me, you know, David Stearns is going to be here and our analytics are going to get even better, like I am kind of inclined to see like maybe somebody a little bit younger, somebody that might be even more plugged into analytics than Buck is, you know. So I I don't disagree with this move. But you talk to the players in the moment and the players are upset. They liked Buck. You know, I mean, you work with a guy for a couple of years, you know, you get close to him. You look at Lindor, you know, Buck's close with his wife and his kid. Um Actually, I feel worse for Lindor's kid and all of this. That is literally who I thought of first. Right? Yeah. I thought of Kalina Lindor. Kalina, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that the fact that it even leaked, because I one of the things uh, about the players being upset, I saw specifically that Pete Alonzo was upset and he went to speak with Steve Cohen about it. And that was mm. shared with the fans. Right. And that became part of the narrative of like, oh, is this the right move for the Mets? But something that Steve Cohen really needs to work on this offseason immediately is tightening up the clubhouse. Yeah. Because there are so many people, and this is a Wilpon era issue, right? That's now bleeding into this, especially since they still own SNY. He has to do something about it because I absolutely can say with almost 100% certainty that Pete Alonso is not the first player in a big market to be concerned about personnel change and go to the owner to discuss it. Absolutely. I mean, Aaron Judge even was talking about how he has spoken to Hal and will speak to Hal, but Aaron Judge controlled that narrative himself. He's the one who said that to the press. So the Yankees have their clubhouse buttoned up. And this isn't some, you know, uh, pro-Yankees thing. It's just the difference between a clubhouse that keeps things in-house and controls their media cycle between, it's the difference between that and the Mets who are trying to deal with previous ownership who benefited from this sort of thing and the fucking circus because they wanted to act like it wasn't their fault that the Mets were dysfunctional. Cough, Andy Martino, cough. cough, Exactly, and that's that's where it's from, and they got to fucking do something about that because there's no reason for that to be a storyline. Right, and it has gotten better, but better is not good enough. Like, it needs to be just, just... Lock that shit down, 100%. And this will come back next year. Whoever they hire, the minute that they have you know, a losing streak, it'll be like, what Pete is upset. Is that why he's not playing right, well? Right. He loved Buck. But it's going to act like it's going to end up being like a fucking soap opera-ish storyline that is not real. 100%. And what, one last thing. Speaking of shit that's locked down, like the Mets have Francisco Lindor locked down for the foreseeable future, I want to end the Mets 2023 season discussion for me with... Lindor takes so much shit for, you know, being overrated, overpaid, all this bullshit stuff when he's a fantastic player. He's one of the best shortstops in baseball. He's a great leader. He ended the season among MLB shortstops, first in runs, first in RBIs, second in war, second in home runs, third in stolen bases. The guy had a 30-30 season. He turned it on after his daughter was born. He's legit. I love Francisco Lindor. I just want to end with that. I love him too. Yeah. I was going to let you in, but I, I didn't want to leave it out there. I had to say it. He's great. Well, I, I was going to say, <laughs> um, in addition to Showalter being fired, that wasn't the only managerial vacancy across the league. Uh, Kepler is out with the Giants, and uh, Nevin will not be returning to the Angels. I can't believe that Nevin even had the job this How year. How has he been there this long? I yeah. know. He <laughs> just filled in because he was the bench coach for, uh, shit, what's that manager's name? He was the manager of the Cubs, Madden. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Right? Joe, Joe Madden. Madden. Joe yeah. Madden, yeah. Got the mohawk and then got yeah, fired yeah. like hours later. <laughs> I got fired in the mohawk. <laughs> so I have to assume this is – Nevin will never get a starting coaching job again. That was it for him. Yeah, that was that was his audition and he bought Kapler might. 
I feel like he might be able to make something happen. He had that hundred and six win season. Record. Yeah, he's got that one, and then it's just been like everything else is like just barely over five hundred. Oh yeah, and Brandon Crawford, he had his goodbye. He's done too. Long time oh, shortstop I, I, of the oh, Giants. I missed that. Oh, that's right. That that's just reminded right. me of it. His daughter threw out the first pitch of that last game, and she did like these flips you know and gymnastics moves. It was so cute. You know what's funny is I had um I had a brain fart there because we we were still talking about managers. And my brain did a couple somersaults of like, wait, did I miss Crawford's retirement last year? And he got a manager role and he just got fired. What, what is she talking about? It's like, oh, yeah, that's right. He was still <laughs> playing. And now he's not. And now he's not. And now he's not. Of course, anytime managers are fired, those are always like the managers that everybody wants. I've already seen people saying they want Walter with the Yankees. I've seen uh, Red Sox fans saying that they want Kapler. And like, I've heard Kapler to the Mets. Yep. Can we get some new blood? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I know that a lot of people have issues with Aaron Boone and whatever, but the whole point of the manager is for the players to like them, for them to manage the clubhouse right. and the personalities. The bullpen moves, it all comes out in the wash. Like, there's no fucking manager that is so bad that every move they do is terrible. But yeah, no, that's beside the point. Like, the thing I liked about Boone, and even though it's funny to say this because he is literally like a third generation Major League Baseball player, so he's very much piped into like the system, <laughs> but he was young. He was someone new, not just like recycling these old managers right. that go from one team to the next. And I don't know, like it's just anybody new, someone young. The game is I'll getting younger, what, so the manager should get a little bit after younger. After all that bullshit, I would love to see Carlos Beltran get his shot. That would be See sick. what he can do. Why not? You know what? That might be end up being the move i feel like i want everyone keeps saying craig council because stearns was in milwaukee but i don't know man beltran had the gig and then lost it for kind of bullshit reasons so and i have to go back and listen to some episodes i feel like we talked about at the time that it was either on the pod or online or something about showalter being the manager for a year or two or three and then waiting for we the dust to settle we 100 talked about that that just clicked yeah for sure <laughs> so i'll just end with i don't know if this has any credence at all but you know we keep beltran's name obviously is always going to be in this conversation somebody on twitter and i don't know like there might be nothing to this but they said what if we get showalter as manager and stick beltran as bench coach and then set him up to be manager eventually if you're really asking me let's do that if I have to pick one, you know, with the limited information I have, let's go with that. I like that idea because even if Beltron is capable of managing a club now, dip the toe in and, and get the media and the fans used to seeing him in a role and seeing him on the field. And I don't know if it'll necessarily completely mitigate all the cheating bullshit that's going to follow him. Right. If he then comes into uh, the manager position in a year or two, but it'll certainly help because if they threw him into that right now, it, let's say the Mets have a fucking, you know, they have 95 plus wins, win the division, go to the playoffs and, and have some success. Everyone will forget these fucking huge moves that they made in the offseason to overhaul the team. And it'll just be, well, I mean, sh I th it's we can't not assume that they might right, be cheating. Right. And it's like, who needs that fucking bullshit? <laughs> Steve Cohen in his like second full season, real season of him getting this team ready. He doesn't want that shit. No. And I, I also don't see them, you know, adding all this clubhouse experience and then off the back of Rojas, who is a rookie manager, hiring somebody else that hasn't managed before. That That's the one thing. If anything, I, I would narrow it down to, 
people with actual MLB managerial experience. That's what I want. There's your answer. <laughs> And we're back. Especially now we can look back on 2021 with the the rat raccoon, the Javi Baez thumbs down shit. Like Showalter was specifically brought in to manage the professionalism. He did it where Beltran would not have been able to do that at that time because he was managing his own shit with the fucking Astro right. scandal. Right. You bring an old veteran in to right the ship and then you bring your guy in now that it's sailing the correct way. That's an interesting theory. David Stearns, you heard it here first. Obviously, you're listening to this podcast. We know you're listening, David. (laughs) And there was more history made this year. Ronald Acuna Jr. had a great season across the board. He, I think... Likely MVP. Likely MVP, yes. But he is the first 40-70 player ever. 40 home runs and 70-plus steals. I think he finished with 73 specifically. But it doesn't count because of the new rules. Now, fuck you, man. Everybody... And I don't like Acuna. I don't like the Braves. Everybody had to play under the same rules, and yeah, it's easier to steal bases. Nobody stole 70 fucking bases except for him. That's impressive. It's all relative, right? Yeah. It's all relative. And baseball, like, I get that a lot of it has been largely same, the same because of how gameplay is, but they've been changing and tweaking things for years, decades. I mean, they lowered the mound. They did this. They had the DH. They've been adding and subtracting things. So now we're going to act like this is the biggest change in history or the only change. Well, that's what comes to mind immediately is when they talk about like, you know, these should be with an asterisk. So it's like, so what? Like all these Cy Young and fucking Walter Johnson and Christy (laughs) Mathewson. Like, well, that mound was high. So, you know, none of that shit counts now. Like, come on, man. Baseball changes. You you know, you can't have it both ways. You know, you really can't. And what was especially weird, because this wasn't even like just fans doing that, trying to, because fans are always going to try to fucking get under the skin of the fan base that has a player or a team doing something really great, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Even if you don't actually personally feel that way, you're going to pretend like as if you're trying to dismiss it because you just want to piss this person off. Correct. There were like media members saying things like, well, 20,000 other guys in baseball history didn't get to play with these rules. So, you know, trying to act like it wasn't that impressive what Acuna was doing because other guys in the past didn't play under the same rules. Like we still consider MLB or whatever the official record is considers Barry Bonds's records to still be the records. Right. And he literally broke the rules to get them. So we're going to now punish this guy who played by the rules to get it. Well, it's like, yes, it's more difficult to compare now because the rules are different, but you can't dismiss it as unimpressive or easy or something like that because it's not. He took a new set of rules. He figured it out in a way that nobody else was able to, and he dominated with it. My favorite part of the whole thing, though, was when it actually happened, they were playing the Cubs, and it happened in a late inning. I think it was like in the 10th inning of a tie game, and he steals the base. And, you know, when, when someone sets a record, you know, they Ricky Henderson did it. Everybody did it. You know, they pick up the base. They celebrate. The Cubs got so fucking mad. <laughs> Because they were in the playoff race. They're trying to get a wild card spot. Atlanta had their division wrapped up weeks ago. And after all that bitching and moaning, the Cubs missed the postseason anyway. (laughs) That was so good. (laughs) The lovable losers. Am I right? Like, and I, the next day, cause their, uh, their broadcast apparently, you know, was upset and voicing their upset. Right. And fans were really leaning into that. And then the next day, I think their color analyst was basically just like, 
Oh yeah, like I, I don't really care about it. Like yeah, yeah, okay. But even on some like of course like of course they're gonna react in the moment. That's what they're paid to do. They're entertainers, they're supposed to, they shouldn't right. react. They're not there to like calm the fans down, like, okay, everyone, you shouldn't be upset. They're there to just do that. Yeah. So it's like, of course he's not like fucking pissed off about it the next day, because it's actually not that big of a deal. It's not. It was who cares? Like we were just saying before Pitchers used to take like fucking two minutes between every pitch last year. Now they're going (laughs) to throw fit. Fuck the Cubs. With Acuna's history being said, because that is obviously super impressive, something that has kind of annoyed me, and it's it's baseball's, it's MLB's own fault in terms of even why people feel the need to like qualify things like Acuna's accomplishment with the history bullshit, Mm. because history has been such a part of their brand and they've shoved it down our throat for all these years right. that it is so part of the current conversations and it's not like that in any other sport. And because of being online and content, they now lean into it to such an annoying degree where in a sport like this where there's so many like random stats, like this is the first person to ever have you know three home runs and a double and a stolen base and a sack bunt in the same game so every day there's a tweet right. from MLB that was like so and so makes history and it's like come all right enough it's what's what's too the bar much. for history now yeah right so then it makes real history seem annoying and Trivial. overblown yeah. and maybe some of it is it's an entertainment product but it is like all right can we stop with everything being historic we can find a stat that's never happened like every single week in this sport. And they do. Eli- and, oh, Here's and looking they do. at you, Elias Sports Bureau. <laughs> and on that note, let's get right into the voicemails. Hey, guys. It's been a while, but baseball postseason is back. I got the Rays, the Blue Jays, the Diamondbacks, and the Phillies to go to the division series. Yankees sucked. I think Derek Cole's probably going to win Ty Young, but who cares? Um, their season was horrible. Mets, well, you, you, you know how that one went. Um, but don't worry, guys. We have the NFL. Oh, wait. Aaron Rodgers is done. But it's okay, John. We can be miserable together because the Patriots so far are not playing that good. Um, but, John, between the Marlins or Phillies, I'd assume you want the Marlins to win, right? Um, who do you guys think will win, will win it all? Well, yeah, that one, you're right, is an easy choice for me. Definitely Marlins over the Phillies all day. Um, I guess this is as good a time as any to do our postseason predictions, right? We're not doing like a formal contest like we've done in previous years, but uh, you and I should hold each other accountable for something on this show, right? (laughs) Yeah, we should try this season. But what do you mean, Nick? Who cares about Garrett Cole winning a Cy Young? Like, (laughs) I can't let that pass by. Like, who cares? We just got to watch him pitch one of the best fucking seasons of his career and he's one of the best pitchers in the sport like that is literally the only good thing that happened this season so I will not stand for Garrett Cole slander or dismissal of his Cy Young and uh, Nick take some advice from somebody whose team has been worse than yours for a while you're gonna have a rough time if this team does not get better if you can't enjoy the little things like that like you you better enjoy Cole winning a Cy Young and yeah we might as well do our predictions I mean, all right, yeah, why not? Um, I hope all teams lose. I hope everybody loses. Yeah, I'm giant asteroid is what I'm rooting for. <laughs> um, no, I got. Um, I like the Orioles. I want to see the Orioles do something. I'm. Uh, I'm going to go with Orioles over the Marlins. I think the Marlins are going to be 
every NL East team gets a little annoying run, except for the Mets over the last few years. This is the Marlins <laughs> run, but they're not going to get it done. I got the Orioles taking them out. I have Orioles as well. I I do think that the Astros are going to make it to another ALCS and have that be seven years in a row. Look. I think that the Orioles are a better team and they're going to win. And I think that the Phillies are going to find themselves mm. in the World Series for a second year in a row. I don't know why. They just got that Philly magic. There's something about that team. That lineup is just dangerous in the postseason. In my gut, and I hate it, I think the Braves are actually going to win. But yeah. I'm pulling for the Orioles, and I don't want to see an Orioles-Braves World Series because that'd be boring. Yeah, following like the seeding exactly is boring as hell. That's right. It's like, oh, I think the most realistic is Orioles-Braves. It's like, oh, yeah, one versus one. Yeah, <laughs> you think? Um, and I guess we got a couple minutes left, right? DJ Bingington, let's hit the music. All right, yeah, so things kind of went better for the Jets this week. <laughs> kind of. I don't know, man. Like, listen, after A-Rod went down. A-Rod? I don't like calling him A-Rod in this context. No, that okay. is. No, no, first of all, first, no, 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 no. This is not a me thing. His nickname is A-Rod in football. Oh, it, it absolutely is. And he's a Hall of Famer. So Oh, no. I don't make the rules here, okay? I do. No, that is horrible. That is horrible. So once A-Rod went down, um, it became... <laughs> oh, I hate that. I hate that so much. Oh, that's, I can't that's such it. a good way to get me to keep doing something. Um, so after he went down, you know, we got our asses kicked by Dallas, got our butts kicked by the Patriots. This game was really a, okay, Zach Wilson, you want to hang on to your job? Like, you got to show us something. Chiefs were coming into town. Chiefs are defending champions. And, of course, there's the whole circus around Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. And, I mean, Zach was better. He, he, he was better. You know, they finally let him, you know, throw the ball a little bit, let him loose, which was good. He did have that really bad fumble, uh, that fumbled snap in the fourth quarter that kind of cost him the game. But they kept it close, and it's one of those things where – it could go either way from here. We could have seen Zach take the first of many steps that he needs to take and things get better from here because the defense kept the minute. He made some great throws, um, some you know better decisions. The offensive line gave him more time in the pocket. That was all good stuff. But it feels like we've seen this movie before where he does just enough to earn another start and then just shits the bed the next week and we're back to square one. And So who knows? It's gonna, a lot's going to depend on what happens from here. But I, I, I guess it was a good step. I guess, you know, you come out of it at least like not, you know, we didn't get killed. It wasn't depressing. But The defense uh, played well, right? Yeah, the defense played well. And, you know, I mean, A-Rod was in the building, not Alex Rodriguez, Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. Um, they had, he was on a headset up, uh, up with the offensive coordinator. So, you know, doing a little bit of coaching. So who knows to what extent his presence helped. You have to assume it does, right? It, like, it has to, right? You feel like that's why he was brought in. I mean, you, you, you'd think so. So he's obviously not a long term fill for them. So they brought him in because they still had Zach Wilson. So maybe they didn't want right. to fucking just blow up that pick and say, oh, he's a bust and then get rid of him. Maybe they brought Rodgers in to like mentor him. I think that was the plan. You know, Zach wasn't really planning on playing for the next two years, you know, and now he's thrust into like, you know, hey, four plays in. All right. Never mind. Change of plans. You're starting the whole season. You're the guy now. That's tough, man. That's a lot. So we'll see. Come from BYU. Like, it's not even like he played at like some big time D1 school, you know? Right. And that's it is like, you know, there's flashes of brilliance at BYU, but you look at the competition that he had at BYU. And that was some of the criticism that was levied when he was drafted was that it's like, yeah, this kid has an arm, but 
he's not facing, you know, elite defenses and pass rushes and stuff like that. So we'll see what he can do. The, you know, like we said last time, the kid has the talent. He's just got to put it together. He's got to make better decisions. He's got to be smarter. He's got to be faster. And I guess we're even seeing it in baseball where, like, only very special players used to kind of, like, skip levels in minor league baseball. Like, you're oh, sure, yeah. Bryce Harper's, Mike yeah, Trout's, yeah. A-Rod. The real A Rod, they would go right from you know single A, double A, whatever. But now it's been happening a lot, and I feel like that's kind of how it is for the NCAA with the NFL because that's kind of like their minor league system. But mm. not all of those teams are created equal, so there is something to be said for hey, sometimes you gotta just put your fucking feet to the fire. Like, how can he possibly get better just playing with the fucking practice squad? Well, and that right, and you could make a very strong argument that the right move for Wilson would have been to have drafted him and then let him sit and learn. But the Jets were in a position where like, learn under who? You know, they right. were just they were going through journeyman veteran quarterbacks, just like nobody who's like a legend that's gonna, you know, mentor you like a Tom Brady or, you know, something like that. So And Nick, you'll love to hear this and any of our football fan listeners, John gave me a very and I will say a very thorough masterclass of intro to football while we were watching Monday Night Football last night. I think, guys, if I did my job right, she kind of knows some positions now. She knows the difference between a 3-4 and a 4-3, man coverage, zone coverage. She knows what a blitz is. We're getting there. We're getting there. It helps to look at the screen and know what you're looking at. You know, it makes it more interesting. It absolutely does because beyond, like, the head injury aspect of football that is – made it easy for me to never really pursue right. understanding it. Part of what made it really easy to not get into is because I've never played football before. I don't know what I'm watching. It's not intuitive and obvious beyond like, oh, one team move ball downfield, other team stop them from moving right, ball downfield. Right. Like, I don't understand why things are happening. So having someone explain it, and now I know what to look for and can see plays happening or you know watch things move right. it makes it interesting and it makes me feel invested and that's why like the other night during the broadcast of the Jets Chiefs game they did like a, uh, a Carson Daly from the voice or whatever show he does they did like a quick like thing for Swifties like a football are you, are you trying to not sound old by not saying Carson Daly you know from TRL <laughs> from TRL <laughs> oh TRL fame <laughs> He did like a, and it was like explaining football in Swifty terms. And right. there were a lot of women who were getting offended by it. Like, oh, what they assume that, you know, all Swifties, people who listen to Taylor Swift don't know football. And first of all, much like the new rules and everything and super fans complaining about that for Major League Baseball, these, that wasn't for you. If you're offended right. by it and you feel condescended by it, maybe consider if it's for you specifically as a fan. It's not. There are a lot of new people watching and as someone who is a new football fan myself, it helps to know what the fuck is going on. And you know what? Not for nothing. I say this as like, I'm a Jets fan. The Chiefs were the visiting team. Taylor Swift in this context is like, oh, we're going to the visiting tight ends girlfriend up in the stand. <laughs> right. But listen, so even with that, where it's like... The visiting team's tight ends girlfriend. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> but even then, listen, like a lot of people at the, you know got all upset and said, you're going to they did not show her that much. It was not that bad. You know, like it. And, and again, well, you, you put it perfectly yesterday. Is the NFL not supposed to take advantage of this and not try and grow the game and not try to appeal to women that might not know anything about football? They, the NFL is 
by far the most popular sport in North America and America in terms oh, yeah. of. So they've almost kind of cornered their market here. And this new market of fans was just dropped in their lap. They didn't have to do anything to acquire it. Of course they're going to fucking lean into that. She's the most famous person on the planet right now. This isn't like some washed up fucking pop star that they're now giving all this like undue adulation right, to. Right. Like she literally has just had the in the middle of the most successful world tour of all time. Listen, with all due respect, this is not like when Shakira came and visited the Mets in the clubhouse, all right? <laughs> this is a little bit bigger in terms of current day and age. Um Shakira. <laughs> I didn't even remember that. Did oh, that yeah, happen that, recently? <laughs> I think it was this past year. They, she had took a picture with Buck and uh, oh, which reliever was it? It would be funnier if I can remember which one it was, but one of the relievers, was it Smith? Got his picture taken with a Shakira. And then like last year, there was some like swimsuit model or something throughout the first pitch and had his picture taken with her. And he just went to shit after each of those pictures were taken <laughs> in each respective season. <laughs> That it is really not to be any sort of LOL Mets, but it is kind of funny that it's like, oh, Taylor Swift, she is now watching the Chiefs games and the Chiefs are 2-0. and And it's like the Mets have these like D-list celebrities come <laughs> and it fucking destroys any sort of hope of them winning. <laughs> well, you know, I get a kick out of, I mean, the amount of grown men flipping out at the NFL Instagram for like oh. six hours talking about the Chiefs being two and Noah's Swifties. Well, clearly that means the Jets game was rigged and, you know, it didn't go my way. So, yo, grow up. Like, that, I don't know what else to say. Grow up. That is the worst thing about NFL fans that, I, in, that I've observed. Every single week, and I'm not exaggerating, every week, at least one fandom from a team that lost says it was rigged. This is rigged. That's rigged. If you truly believe that. Some people are unironically convinced. Like, they, they seriously think that it is. Which is insane. This is the 2-0 and o in the bio is what's tipping you off to it being rigged. Not all the betting companies that the league's fucking and, in and bed not with. not alone that. Not alone that. Let's say they are rigging games. Like, the league is going to do, like, cheeky winks and hints to it <laughs> for you to pick up on rather than hiding it. And like as if the league has to fucking help the Chiefs win by rigging the game. It's, oh. The Chiefs are like one of the didn't they win the Super Bowl last year? Yes. They're literally <laughs> the defending champs. The Jets suck. The Jets hung in there. Like the Jets did better than we thought they were going to do. But yeah, it must be rigged because the Chiefs wound up winning, right? And listen, I know what they're talking about because listen, for anybody who's a baseball fan but not a football fan, the same way that an umpire will establish a strike zone earlier in the game, and it's kind of an unwritten rule at that point that like all right, you know, you want to call a wide strike zone? That's okay, but be consistent. It's the same thing with NFL refs when it comes to, like, physicality and holding and stuff like that. They establish early on in a game how physical they're going to let the players go. And it's kind of like, okay, whatever you decide is fine, but stick with it. And they established early on in this game they were going to let them play. They were going to let them go at it a little bit. So it's a bad look, yeah, the amount of flags that were thrown in the fourth quarter. But shit happens, man. Like... Yeah, the refs suck. Umpires suck. Refs suck. Like, they all suck. It's officials. They suck. What do you want? But yeah, just this whole, like, this cognitive dissonance of, like, well, it went against my team, so it must be a conspiracy. It's the only, it's the only logical thing. The Jets never lose. It must be. Like, yeah. <laughs> the Jets were destined yeah, to win this game. The Jets definitely would have won this one. This week was different. And I love that the fucking holding call is 
why they knew that there was impropriety. Was a terrible call, sure. But but is Zach Wilson in on it too? He fumbled that fucking snap. (laughs) Other things had to happen to make that moment be that important. Exactly. See, obviously... I'm a football fan for 25 minutes at this point. I already have extremely strong opinions about it, and it's not going to end here. Yeah, you're a football fan. That counts. That about wraps it up for Breaking Balls this week. We want to thank all of our listeners and callers. You guys are amazing. Anyone else listening wants to get in on the fun, feeling brassy, give the Breaking Balls hotline a call. 631-820-7377. You can also find us on Twitter at BreakBallsPod. And we want to thank our amazing producer and engineer, DJ Bingington. You can find him on Twitter as well, at DJ B-I-N-G-I-N-G-T-O-N. And we will catch you guys next week.